handle the truth. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Thomas Free Me TV and podcast show. This is Thomas Free Me, and this is Thursday night. And I want to welcome everybody for coming in. Um, I, I pray that everybody is safe. Um, that everybody is blessed and, and uh, you know, your, your week is going good, man. You're managing your emotions, you're managing your stress. And, you know, we, we're getting ready to go into the weekend, man. So uh, continuing on from last week's discussion, um, I'm bringing back Mr. Demetrius Knuckleseal. And we are going to have a, a discussion, again, why are teen killers uh, are, are becoming, you know, murderers? Why are teenagers are becoming murderers? So. I am going to introduce the new room that I built for your pleasure. And we are going to get into our discussion because time constraints. As I got that on my side, everything good because I got another chance. Amen. No question about that. So. Getting getting on to what we were talking about last week and and the events of what was going on this week, um, Demetrius, point point your camera down a little bit for me. Come down a little bit. Right there. You got me. Perfect. You're squared now. So, speaking on on a little bit of of last week, right? What yeah. we're going to um, I got a little adjustments while I'm sitting here talking. I want to get into a little bit of of. Nicholas Cruz and this Parkland shooting. Right. Now, the judge, the judge absolutely threw the book. I mean, she gave this 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 kid the ultimate sentence that you could get besides death. Right. He got 34 consecutive life sentences. And not only that. She garnished his commissary until all restitution is paid, which is millions and millions of dollars. So, so you pretty much put this person in prison for life at 23 right. years old for the crimes that he committed. Now, as atrocious as, as those crimes were, right? let me get your thoughts on that. And let me try to fix this screen here. Uh, to me... A judge giving a human being more than one life sentence. You know, we you know we sympathize with the families of, of the victims, and we sympathize with the victims. We send prayers up to them, but we're not talking about the victims and the families right now. We're talking about the fairness of justice, and that kind of put me in the mind of 1986 or 87 when a judge in Michigan gave one of my friends and a group of them 150 to 300 years. Mm. Now, does that even sound logical? Our lifespan, our lifespan is but in the 70s. Some of us are in the 60s. But to give someone 34 consecutive life sentences, I understand because... That's how many people were affected and died or whatever. I definitely understand that. But that's a little overboard. You know, that's a little overboard. 
And and I think you know, and and and. In that aspect, you know, of course, because the, the kids only got one one life sent, you know, one life. But it's it's more along the lines of of appeals. You know, he has to knock down thirty four of those life sentences. You know what I mean? But more specifically, you yourself was a lifer as a juvenile, and the reason why you were released was because of of scientific findings and understanding that the brain is not fully developed until it's 25. And so under those and, and some other, you know, some other rulings, but specifically that, they overturned the decision to give juvenile life sentences. And you came home. Now, with that being said, let me ask you this, Demetrius. What is the difference between 17 years old and 18 years old, like in the case of, of your homeboy up there, Demel, right? Now, the person who killed is coming home because he was 17 and because Demel was 18 and falls under the felony murder law, he's got to do life. The difference between 17 and 18 is just a year, not brain activity, just a year. And that's why we fight so hard for criminal justice reform and to uh, raise the age because we realize that we realize that whether you're 17 or 18, your brain still is not formed. Mm. So whether you're 17, 18, 19, 20, up to 26, this is what the science say. This is not me. The science says that the human brain does not continue develop does not continue developing until the age does not stop developing until the age of 26. So whether you're 17 or 18, but we're going to deal with the 18 year old right now because we can make a great argument that at 18 his brain was not fully formed. So therefore, because youth, what comes with youth is a diminished culpability. Diminished culpability is derived from the legal term diminished capacity. Diminished capacity means that he does not have the brain power to appreciate certain acts that he may commit. Why? Because he's immature, he's still a youth, his brain is still developing. So that's the difference between 17 and 18. It's just a number, not the brain activity. And 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 yet that number is again uh you know putting putting a constraint on justice because I you know this situation is is touchy, you know, because of course the ego side, the vindictive side of me wished he got the death penalty for what he did, and then of course the spiritual and the godly side of me understands as well. So this is the duality within man that we all deal with, right? But it's it's understanding like what you laid out, specifically the the prefrontal cortex of the brain is not fully developed and the and the prefrontal cortex is what handles exactly what you laid out is is that critical thought that critical decision making uh, uh 
act, but the the repercussions of it. Not so much as the critical thought itself, because we can critically think in that moment, but it's we can't we can't outlie all of the circumstances, all of the repercussions. But in a case like this, I mean, of course, me as a juvenile, I knew, and I, I listened to, to gangster rap. I listened to hard metal. I, listened, I played violent video games. I, I watched violent movies. You know what I mean? I was in violence, and yet I still knew not to kill nobody when I got mad or anything like that because I knew that there would be prison time. But to sit back and reflect on that now... There was no way that I would be able to know the extent of what I was looking at like I do now. Right. You understand what I mean? Like when I make decisions now as a grown adult, I can think in the long run. I can think 30, 40 years down the road what this one decision is going to make. But do you know what you just said? You talked about you as a youth and then you as an adult. And you understanding consequences, right? Yes, sir. But imagine growing up and not understanding that you had options. For example, uh, Saturday, I was doing security at a a Little League football game, and and I'm talking to the little young guys or whatnot. I kick it with all of them. And one young guy, big young guy, he's uh, 12 years old. And I'm not going to say his name, but I'm just going to say the name that he had on his back was Big Killer. Hmm. Here's a 12-year-old with the name on his back, the nickname Big Killer. So now... We're going to take this name and we're going to go into the school system where he go to school at with the rest of the 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders. And they say something that he feel is offensive to him or his friends. Now, his name is Big Killer. So ain't no letting stuff go mm-hmm. because I'm Big Killer. See, his options were taken away when he was given a name such as Big Killer. That he had to represent. He got to represent. So now when we fighting on the field, and I know that I got access, my father got a gun up under the couch pillow, up under the bed or in the closet. I'm about to go get that gun because I'm about to show them why I'm Big Killer. So we're being indoctrinated. We're being indoctrinated with violent thoughts. We're being indoctrinated with the thought that we have no other option, that we have to resort to violence, that we have to resort to drug dealing, that we have to resort to engaging in criminal activity in order to get the things that we want, keyword want in life, not need, but want in life. We have been indoctrinated to believe this stuff. Well, and that makes sense too. I mean, it, absolutely, because as as a kid, all, all like for me as a kid, I can just reflect back. The most important thing to me as a child was attention. You know what I mean? 
and specifically because I wasn't getting it. So if anybody, if I was doing anything that garnished attention from somebody, then I would dive headfirst into it. So if somebody, yeah, if somebody is throwing big killer across my back out on a football field and they're telling me every time, man, listen, I want you to hit that person as hard as you can. I want you to hurt him. Take all your anger out on him. You know what I mean? All of these things we're teaching, we're teaching our children to vent through violent actions and they cannot decipher the, 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 the atrocity in it because they're being rewarded for it. You said it. That so makes now, sense. So now, if I'm being rewarded for being for being that gruesome type individual on the football field, a basketball court, whatever sports I'm engaged in, if I'm being rewarded by acknowledgement from other people, other people who are mature enough to know or are mature enough to know or should know that that type of behavior or that type of impression upon an impressionable individual can cause him to self-destruct, can cause him to destroy the things on the outside of him. If, if that child is surrounded by that, that type of encouragement, such as I was, then as I told the youth yesterday at the school I was speaking at, I didn't think that I had options. All my options were taken away when all I ever seen was people selling drugs or using drugs and committing crime. The people that tried to talk to me, they would talk to me nice and tell me good stuff and then they'd go shoot dope. That's right. So, so I couldn't take heed to what they said because it was obvious to me that they were just talking and wasn't walking. That's right. So now we 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 meet we meet a, a, a generation of youth who want to want to be like us in some in in the worst way. Kind of remind me of a Tupac song when he, when he was talking about. Uh, in that one song, I think it was hit was it hit him up or something. And he said he he wanted to see a side of oh smile. He wanted to see a side of him that wasn't always crazy. Talking about his unborn baby. Yeah. So he, so because he, he wanted to see a side of him that wasn't always crazy. So me, when I see youth today that's doing great, I'm looking at that side of me that wasn't always crazy. Because the most thing that I remember about my youth growing up, and I don't, I hate to use the word crazy because it tends to stigmatize uh, uh, individuals who's having mental, you know, mental disorder, or whatever. But for the lack of better term, when I look back at myself, I was always crazy. <laughs> but what is crazy? You know what I mean? I, I, I like, I rather use the word insane, right? Because I remember once telling this guy about the word insane and how we take words out of context. Mm -hmm. For example, the word insane means that you are in sane, mm -hmm. that you are in your sanity, right? That's what insane means. Now, you can say you're in 
in your sanity or you can say you're sane. It actually means the same thing. But because so many people began to think that sane and insane was opposite words, the dictionary adopted it as such. Mm -hmm. And now we're indoctrinated to believe that if I say you insane, that means you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Because Einstein was insane. I think we all have a little bit of ins insanity in us, you know, and, and especially now, you know, I, I, because really the definition of, of, of how they label insanity is just doing something repetitiously over and over and over again and expecting right. a different result from that same thing that you're doing over and over again. You know, and, and that was a hard lesson that I had to come to within myself was, was start asking myself, like, you know, I have to be somewhat insane because I have been doing the same thing, which is, uh, you know, always taking the easy way out, looking for, you know, making excuses, things like this, expecting different results, you know, and I would do that. Th I did that through my whole life. Con, you know, continuously making excuses, the prosecutor's fault, it was these rats fault, it was all these people's fault why I got caught. You know what I mean? It was, it was this, it was my father, it was my parents, it was all of these things. And even though all of that contributes, right? But it's at the end of the day, there's, there comes a point in your life to where you become, a, you, you acknowledge this. Now you acknowledge that you're making excuses right. for yourself. You know what I mean? And if you haven't come to that point as an adult, then you need to get some clinical help because you may be insane. You may have some kind of chemical function, you know, dysfunction that's going on within you that that's not allowing you to see these things. But any normal thinking adult, by the time they get to about 28, 29, 30 years old, starts to realize that they're making excuses for themselves, you know? And they so, just decide whether to go with it or not. I would think. I don't know, you know. But when now, now imagine this child. Imagine if I was your son. And for all of my 14 years, all I ever heard you do was make an excuse for what the stuff that you do. When mama say this and say that, you got an excuse for it. When you was arrested on the front line, you told mama that the police lied on you. When you, when I watched you steal at the store and they caught you, you made the story up that you wasn't stealing. And I'm watching this. Mm -hmm. As my father, I'm watching this. The only thing that I could ever gather from all of that is how to make excuses and how to be a liar. And it seemed right to me because my dad was doing it all the time. And now... I commit this heinous crime and uh, and I'm still saying, even though I know I did it, I'm still saying, if dad didn't do this or if mama didn't do that, I wouldn't have did that crime because our environment, that includes our parent parental uh, upbringing, has to share some responsibility for the decisions that a youth make. Our environment has to, because you take, for example, if a child,
grew up and he seen all positive things and he became a, a LeBron James. Mm -hmm. The environment want to take credit for that, don't they? <laughs> Mom, dad, the neighborhood, the church. They're letting everybody know. Everybody want to take credit for that. But soon as that child does something violative of human dignity, something egregious, violating of someone's rights and, and humanity in there, now we cast that person as the devil, uh, incorrigible, he cannot change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why can't we accord that same philosophy with the wrongdoing of a youth that we do with the right doing of a, of a youth attributed to his upbringing. Because everything that you just described, homeboy, the whole reason why that particular individual is doing them things on either side, again, is, is, is all about ego. It's all about self. Because I, I want everybody to know, like, look at, look at my child, LeBron. I raised him. I did that. That means I'm a good parent. You know what I mean? Yeah. But now if LeBron turned bad, then it's no, you know, no, that that's his daddy. That's his mom. That's that they did. The, you know, that's so it's it always falls back to the accountability of self. But you're absolutely correct. And I am a firm. I'm a strong advocate, man, that. Parents need to start being held accountable for the actions of their child at a particular age. Right. And that's going to start teaching these these parents one to start thinking twice before they go and have four and five kids. Because like if one of these little MFs turn bad, my ass can end up going to jail. You know what I mean? So they're going to be thinking about that, but it's going to have them being more attentive to what their kids are, I would think. See, I, I, I agree, but I agree, but it, it, it's deeper, man, because when you talk about, when you just attribute things to the parent, well, I'm gonna show you something. The parent didn't create those little candy cigarettes in a store that we used to go buy. They didn't create that. They didn't create that little cap gun that we used to go, and then that BB gun that we used to go get, and then that uh, starter pistol that we used to go get, or that machine gun, water gun that we go get for our children. Mm -hmm. It wasn't my parents who created that and gave me the idea or created the game to where it looks so real when you're blowing a guy's brains out on that game, Mortal Kombat and all these games. It wasn't my parents who was in slowly indoctrinating me with these ideas. It was the pub, the publicizing this information and promoting this information on the TV screen. Mm -hmm. Well, we uh, became a market. We became so, a market when John Wayne came out and you had all of this stuff back in the forties and fifties, all this Western cowboys and Indians, then they started marketing us as such. And, and this, this is really where all that stuff started. They started giving us these little toy pistols and cowboys and Indians, and we'd run in the backyards playing cops and robbers, all of this stuff. But it was emulated from Hollywood. 
Art imitate life and light imit and, and, and life imitate art. So now, so now you take some take that movie of wasn't it Jeffrey Dahmer or something, the movie they just had on? Netflix. Yeah. They make a movie about it. Mm-hmm. Now they glamorizing it. But he was such a horrible person, so horrible that you decided to make millions off it. Mm-hmm. Now, I was just looking at Facebook today. And someone very, very close to me, and I'm going to say my niece, she posted a question. This was her question. She said, if you not the ugly baby mama, show me, right? Okay. She get a lot of people sending her pictures that they're not the ugly baby mama, right? Here it is. Thomas Freeman and Demetrius Knuckles Hill say, I want to help lift up our youth. Can somebody chime in and give me some advice? We get three views. But my niece, she got 35 or 40 in one hour. Mm-hmm. But here we are trying to help somebody and we get three views. So when you talk about get right, Thursday, get right. Thursday night, get right. We talking about people standing on change. Mm-hmm. People standing up and having courage enough to stand up against wrongdoing. I don't care who did it. If, if the little boy got 34 life sentences and he didn't deserve it, tell me what you feel like. Tell me why you think that. Because personally, I'm going to tell you that if you didn't kill that many people, I would rather be put to death if I did it. Well, I, yeah, there's no question. And that's that's a whole different topic when we get into, you know, the death penalty. I, I put a show out on that, you know, as as far as 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 I mean, that's. That's a topic in itself, but there's a question from the crowd that says, do you ever turn your kids in when you know they're doing wrong? So how let's let's kind of get into that, because this this is I want to do sort of, you know, problems and then solutions. So for parents, right, parents know that their kids are doing bad. We have so many single mothers out there that just don't know what to do. You know what I mean? They don't want to send their kid to jail. But what else can they do? Uh, you don't want to send your kids to jail. You don't want to call the police because the police might come kill them. Then you're going to regret that for the rest of your life. Let me share a quick story with you. Let me share a quick story with you while you contemplate that, right? So I'm getting ready to do a story with a, with a lady out in Virginia. Okay, this is a lady, right? And I, and I hate mentioning this, but I have to when it comes to things like this. But this is a white woman, right? Just to show the significance behind this. Right. So this is a white lady. She's an ER nurse. She's worked around cops her whole life. She's been a nurse for most of her life. She sits down with these people in the ER, has dinner with them, all of these things, right? She trusts the police 100%, back to blue, all of this stuff. She's been in PAL all her life, all of these things. Okay. Her son, um, which we'll get into the story, but long story short, her son ended up becoming addicted to pills, Xanax, at 17 years old. So one particular night, 
the son gets into an argument with the stepfather, and the the uh, the, the the son is is on on Xanax, and he grabs a little pocket knife out of his drawer and runs out of the house. Right. The mom gets scared; she thinks he's going to hurt himself because he was really emotional. She don't know what to do. She calls the police for a welfare check. Right? She says, "My son just ran out of the house. He has a, a small little knife on him. He's he's addicted to to." to Xanax, and I think that he's going to hurt himself. She waited by the window and, and watched as the police came. Now her son is off in the distance down the street a little bit, and he's sitting on the park bench. The police run up behind him, don't announce themselves, tackle him, and in that process, guess what happens? The cop gets stabbed in his leg with a knife. So what is this kid now? He's, is, he's trying to kill a cop. They plastered this kid all over the news as a cop killer. They charged him with uh, attempted murder on a uh, capital attempted murder on a police officer. His trial was filled with nothing but police. The whole courtroom was filled with police. They all turned against her to the point where this mom snapped. She went crazy. She she lost her mind literally to where she 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 ran out. She stayed the night out in the woods. She woke, you know, for a couple nights. People were looking for her. She and she, she just had a breakdown because this woman, in her mind, no matter how much I try to convince her about it today, still thinks that this is all her fault because she called the police. See, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I kind of lean. By the way, they gave her son sixty-seven years. I'm not going to say it's all her fault at all mm -hmm. because something had to cause her to make the decision in her mind, the most irrational decision, something caused her to make an irrational decision. She didn't just one day say, I'm going to make an irrational decision today and call the police on my son. She felt that he was being a threat to himself and could possibly be a threat to others. So she so I'm pretty sure now she would probably do it different. But in that moment, you know, we can't really surmise what a mother is thinking in that moment. So in that, uh, a guy once told me, one of my best friends once told me, and I'm pretty sure he watching. He said, sometimes it's not about what's doing right or what's wrong. He said it's about what's doing most effect, what's most effective in the moment. Now you remove yourself from some doing right or wrong because you say, well, I did that because that was the most effective thing to do in that moment. For example, me and you, we driving up the road, we going to Kalamazoo somewhere. Mm -hmm. The car stopped. The doggone one of the one of the uh one of the uh, tubes that blew up off the radiator, right? So we like, oh man, we in the dark. We in that dark stretch of the road. So what me and you do is we take a shoestring off, put it back on there. We tie the shoestring all the way around it and just to hope to get to where we got to go. Yeah. What was, was we wrong? We did what we had to do. We did what we had to do in that moment. That wasn't the right, that wasn't the right way to fix it. But that we didn't do nothing wrong either because it was most effective in that moment because it got us to where we had to go until we could 
and, and administer the proper uh, repair to the uh, radiator. So sometimes it's not about what's doing what's right or what's wrong. It's about doing what's most effective at the moment. And some people can't be criticized for doing, especially when you're talking about life on the line. I mean, my parents who are probably watching this here can relate because there was a similar instance with with my my own daughter. You know what I mean? Where they called the police. Now, mind you, they're five hours away. They didn't know what to do, had no idea what to do. My daughter's talking stupid, you know, had no idea what to do. They called the police. It was about one o'clock in the morning to go do a welfare check. They wanted to make sure that she was okay. What happens? They Baker act her, you know? They Baker act her. So it's, it's, it goes into <clears throat> what I try to stress so much on my show is emotional reactions. What we saw Nicholas Cruz, what we saw, <clears throat> what we saw with Derek Brooks, what we see continuously are emotional reactions. These are people that are living in an emotional state. There's no critical thought. It's just you see something, you react. You react, you react. You know what I mean? And then these reactions just keep building and building and building the more aggressive we become. If we become aggressive human beings, we may become depressed human beings because of all of these, these reactions that we keep doing. That's right. You know, we, I get with a girl. It turns toxic. I'm emotional. I'm, I'm, I'm alone. I get with another girl. It turns toxic. Next thing you know, I've been married four times. You know what I mean? Maybe even have a domestic abuse charge. Because we're out of, we're so out of touch with our emotions and we're not even, we're not even recognizing them. You know, there's people where I tell people, man, why are you emotional? I'm not emotional. I'm not emotional. Like, and, and these, they're not even cognizant of the fact that they are in their emotions. But going back to the top of the show in the prefrontal cortex, all of that revolves around that. We don't really understand how to use this, this part of our head until we're 40, 45. That's called wisdom, brother. Right. You know? You have to... It, it takes us to go through a lot of things before we really realize that, wow, man, all I had to do is... And we always do this. Use this, man. And that's all we had to do. But it wasn't that easy when you was never taught to do that. Well, I think the biggest mistake we can make as parents, right, is these quick quib cliche type things where, like my father used to always tell me, if you, if you don't stop, you're going to go to prison. What the hell does that mean? Stop what? Right. Like as kids, we can't figure out, you know what the hell like you can see that path, but us as kids, we can't see that. So when you say that, we're like, man, what the hell are you talking about? How the hell right. am I going to go to prison? You know, because we cannot see what adults see, but yet adults are trying to tell us what they see in an adult mind because we're so compressed with time anymore. We don't have time to sit here and elaborate this shit so some young kid can understand this here. Right. You know, you either get it or you don't. And that's about it. So us, us children are kind of really left to, to fend for ourselves. And that's it right there. So now, if I got to fend for myself, <laughs> and I know, uh, like, like one of the brothers used to rap when I was in prison, 
he, he used to say, I was born in the snake pit, so I watched my back. He say, he was born in the snake pit, so all I watched was snakes. I watched the venom. I watched the people die. So what am I supposed to do? I turn into a snake too. Because otherwise, I'm going to become the prey rather than the predator. And no one wants to become the prey. So now the little guy with kill, a big kill on his back, he ain't trying to become the uh, prey. He's going to prey on somebody, whether it's on a football field in sports or whether it's off the football field in some type of physical combat. He's not trying to become the prey. The mind of us is not meant to be preyed upon. So naturally, our defenses kick in if I had no food and I'm walking up the street, I'm stealing something out of store. But that's why I know the food is at. I'm going to try to go to one of the restaurants, ask them for some food. If they don't give it to me, I'm going to where I know I could literally touch the food at. If I could touch it, I could take it. So now, we're talking about the mind, how the mind works. Am I a criminal because I stole something out of store to feed myself because I haven't eaten in days? Hmm. It's funny you say that. There was last month there was a there was a there was a story on the news, the local news here, of a mother, and they were they were making fun of her. But she said, because her, her juvenile son broke into the neighbor's house to get food, and she told her son to go do it, go get the food out, out, out the neighbor's house, right? And her response was, she, she really just couldn't comprehend that she did anything wrong, because like you said, she's hungry. They're hungry, and we don't know where to get food from, and we have no money. You know what I mean? And we're hungry, so what do we do? Boy, listen, the neighbor's got food. They're not home. They're at work. Go get the food out of their house and let's eat. Right. And she didn't see anything wrong with that. Right. And that's how she elaborated it to the news. Like, what? why is my son in trouble? Like, he just he just broke in to go get food. You know what I mean? This is this is this is where we're we're, we're getting to where we were resulting we're, we're, we're resulting into the fact that we have to either hurt somebody or take from somebody. You know what I mean? Steal from somebody just to eat. And where does this happen at? It happens in the small little poor communities. Because we're the ones that are, it's like our, our, our walls are closing in. Well, you know, that's, that's another subject that I love to touch on because, uh, when the government came up with the term and the concept and the philosophy behind the projects, the projects is an experiment. Mm -hmm. Let's put everybody over here and let's take this away and take that away and take that away and take that away and see how they act. So now, you know, the lady said she sent her son, go steal that. The lady, the lady on you, uh, YouTube uh, a couple months ago, was in Walmart and she was stealing. She got caught stealing. Big old scene. And she said, I don't have no money. I got to feed my children. 
She kept hollering. I don't have no money. I got to feed my children. I can't let my children starve. And one of her sons is right there. It was heartbreaking. Because I understand. I've been there before for real. It's and, it's a, it's the same. I mean, it's the same when I see these homeless people out there with their children, man. You see these little six and seven, eight year old children out in the sun, and these people are just begging for, just running from car to car with their kids in their hand, just begging for a dollar or two, you know. And it's, but to wrap this up, some positive notes. Um, I think what I got from this from this discussion, man, it's another great discussion. But I think what I got is. We just, as grown adults, we have to start being more attentive to what we're displaying in our home. You know, Absolutely. one thing I've been screaming out is where's our leaders at? Where's our leaders in the community, right? And where's the leaders in the home? Where's, where's the men or women who is running the ship, who is, is setting guidelines and making sure that not only are those guidelines being adhered to, but that they are living by their own creed as well <laughs> right right you know what i mean and and that we are we're attentive that one we're watching what we say in front of our children we're watching what we do in front of our children you know and if you have deviant behaviors inside of you then that's something that you really need to get looked into and stop stop delving into them stop you know what i mean because this is how Jeffrey Dahmer and all this stuff comes even into existence to begin right. with. There's all this deviancy, all this secrecy within the family and all this pedophile and all this shit that we're doing to our children, man. Are you serious? You ain't lying. Hmm. You know what I mean? But we have to be better, better parents, better parents. So it's on you. Wrap us up. All right, y'all. Check this out. It was just, this was Thursday night, get right. And as he just said, stop thinking that, you know, your child is just all right. You ain't got to talk to him because he had, had, you think he had a good day. Stop. Because personally, I know that I wear a smile all the time and I'm known throughout my entire life to be smiling. But I came from some of the most horrible conditions that you can imagine. I survived them from as early on as five, six years old that I can remember. But I always smiled. Let's make sure that we make contact, social contact, intellectual contact with our children, whether that child is your nephew, your niece, your friend, your brother, your sister, it doesn't matter. Let's make sure that we make contact with them so we can see what's on their mind. That way we can catch things in the early stage and we can help work them out rather than allow them to build up. And then once they build up, they blow up. And then we wonder why. Power. I mean, that's power. I mean, that's at the end of the day when, I mean, here goes some homework for y'all. You know, whoever catches this video, do some homework. Sit down for seven days. Take, take you a log for seven days, right, of what you do all day through them seven days. And break down your time. Break down your time. When you're in prison, you got to break your time down. Break down your time and see how much 
is divided between and how much your family structure is really getting. By the time you sleep, by the time you work, by the time you watch your little shows, do your own little personal things, whatever it is. You know, if you watch porn for 15 minutes, four times a day, throw that in there. Throw all of that stuff in there and then sit down and see how much time, quality time that you are really spending with your children, your spouse. And then you'll wonder why your house is divided. Yeah, so, absolutely. With that being said, my brother, man, great discussion. Look forward to next week. Absolutely. Huh? I'm there. Absolutely, man. No question. Stay safe. Stay blessed, man. Is it cold up there yet? No, it's 70 degrees today. Okay. It's, it's about 85, 90 up here still. Oh. But Be there. For the rest of y'all, man, y'all stay blessed, man. And we are out. Peace. There. For the rest of y'all, man, y'all stay blessed, man, and we are out. Peace.